Welcome everyone to the ROSC podcast episode 27. I remembered the number of the episode this time. This topic is going to be an interesting one. Um, it's funny because one of the things that I've found beneficial about how I started doing the podcast is I started doing the months after I started posting blog posts. So I decided to start episode one back with the first blog post episode. So there's always a lag with what I post and what I talk about. And it allows me to experience what I've posted over a few weeks or months, gain a bit more insight and revise the idea or add to the idea. With this one, there's a lot of that. It's almost an entirely different thing. Nonetheless, here we go. We're going to talk about the long tail. This is a weird one because it's going to be there's going to be a lot of talk of like marketing and social media, and um, I'm going to try to tie it into something actionable for you as an individual um, and hopefully a tool that you can use long term as well. Hopefully my microphone doesn't die during this whole thing. Okay, so the long tail. The idea of the long tail, people like um, Seth Godin, who I've mentioned a lot here, talk about this idea with marketing, with like books or music or businesses in general. For a long period of time, you had a finite amount of shelf space, so to speak. Um, when you walk into a bookstore, you have the bestsellers table. And if you made it on that table, you had a very high chance of becoming a bestseller. Uh, top 40 radio or just the radio in general plays a finite number of songs, like five or six songs over and over again. And it took you making it to that list, to that billboard chart, to that attention holder for you to break out. And if you didn't, you were out of luck. And that's why record labels and publishers, etc., have their clout because they have access to these things and they have the ability to get you out there. Of course, at great expense to the creators, but nonetheless, that's how the system worked. That's a finite shelf space, right? People's attention are on this finite area. And if you made it in that box, you were in the attention of the people. Now you have the internet in general, let alone social media, and access to that is, for the most part, free. You don't have to pay to get in. You have the ability, so long as you have some form of equipment, um, even as much as your cell phone now, and you can record a podcast. I mean, this podcast is a perfect example, right? Nothing's stopping me from doing it other than me actually making the podcast. And so the shelf space is now infinite. Anybody can put their stuff out there. You can make a YouTube video and publish it. Anybody can do it. The trade-off is because the shelf space is infinite, the chances of eyes landing on your thing become less. The only variable to you now getting the attention is increasing the amount that you create. But this isn't about necessarily content creation. This is about the idea that what keeps you sustaining that long tail, that infinite shelf space idea, is having something that you work towards, having a principle, having a process, and having foundations that you build upon. Now, the funny thing is with social media, you there are a lot of people out there who are dying to become influencers and dying to get the attention of others because that leads to self-esteem boosts. It leads to paid sponsors. It leads to whatever else it does that I don't know about yet. But you have people who will pick the thing that works and they'll do that thing. They'll sacrifice the creativity. They'll sacrifice a process. They'll sacrifice um, 
having a thing bigger than them that they're working towards. And they'll do what they know works to get the likes, the views, the follows, the subscribers. And to such an extent that if they don't get that attention within a certain period of time, even a couple of hours, they'll remove that post. They'll remove that video. They'll remove that podcast, that song, that book, whatever it is. Even though the author now has the ability to write whatever they want and put it out on Kindle or create a song or a podcast, put it on Spotify, the possibility is essentially almost endless for you. But by falling into that mentality of trying to do what works and trying to make sure it works quickly, effectively renders the infinite shelf space useless. It removes that process and you're back now to a top 40 radio situation or a billboard chart situation. It's just that now that chart is constantly changing based on how people are scrolling. And I promise this is all related to what we're going to talk about with healthcare and with personal development within healthcare. Medical or healthcare influencers are definitely a thing as well. And to the contention of some traditional academics and traditional researchers and whatnot. And the contention is warranted, but not as significant, I think, in my personal opinion. It's warranted because the concern becomes ideas that are now cutting edge or put out there for everyone to consume. And where is the peer review? Where is the data analysis? Where is the appropriate skepticism that should be brought with all these things? But there's the other part of it as well. And that's the part that I want to talk about. I have had the privilege of working alongside and under people who are the content creators of these cutting edge ideas or these anecdotal ideas that then become studied or new study ideas that come out and they put them out on social media and social media meaning just open access medicine in general. A tool is neither good nor bad, it's how it's used. And the thing that gets missed and that's been missed by me, I'm talking about this because of the fact that I've gone through this several times in my career, long stretches of time, because it's on that same platform that others use as a finite shelf space, even though it's infinite shelf space, what ends up happening is new ideas, cutting edge ideas, or popular ideas become the zeitgeist even within healthcare. And we all have experienced healthcare and social media from the aspect of satire because we can all relate to certain things and they get parodied. Or some people who will use it without having the the clout or the credentials to be able to put out ideas that are legitimate. We've all seen that. And then there's the people who have the hours under their belt of going through the principles, of going through the rigorous data and studies and research and the process in general to then come and bring out an idea that is cutting edge. And I will also say from my own personal experience, those who do put these ideas out, who have the hours under their belt, the years under their belt, make it very clear the process that they've gone through and what is established data versus what is their opinion, what's their idea and what's their editorial, so to speak. That's been made clear several times. But from the consumer's side, the idea of taking an infinite shelf space and bringing it to a finite shelf space, not having the full context, just like in regular social media, not having the full context of someone's life, of their daily activities, and only seeing the best parts of it or the parts that are shown of it, you make a judgment and you act upon that judgment with very limited information. And because it's the zeitgeist, it's your 
motivated and almost encouraged to make a judgment call on that thing very quickly. And that applies to the medical information and that the, the ideas that come across us on these platforms and the internet in general and open access medicine in general, it, it falls into that same trap. We confine ourselves to this idea of finite shelf space again. And again, going back to the people who are putting it out there, the people who are reputable, who have put in the work to establish themselves on a personal level, on a local level, or even on a global level, it takes them out of context as well. Because again, having had the pleasure of working alongside and under these people, when you see them practice in their greater context, you see the process that they go through to then get to the point where they're talking about this idea. Their foundations are established. Their basics are not neglected. But the more popular thing on the consumer side, the trendy thing, the more accepted thing, the more peer pressure-like thing is to pick up on that idea and go with it because that makes you the more cutting-edge practitioner. That makes you the more cutting-edge person in your field. Bringing that back to the long tail, the same way we were talking about general, the internet, infinite shelf space, social media, whether you're a creator or a consumer, having a foundation upon which you build, having a process that you turn back to every single time, having your ABCs is extremely important because it then guides why you're using this platform as a consumer or a creator. And when you have that why, it dictates your what and your how. So from the perspective of being a consumer of healthcare media, or healthcare, not media. I don't want to say media because I'm not talking about the news and things like that. I'm talking about the latest information that that we learn, the educational pearls that we learn through these platforms. It's important to always have your compass of your foundations and what your process is and what you're trying to get to. And your long tail is your entire career. Because once you finish your finite space of training, your entire practice is now training which means you have the luxury of spending one entire month on one specific disease process. You can now take an entire year to learn what you were expected to learn in one block. And with these new ideas coming to surface, there is an inclination, there is a, a, a desire to follow that zeitgeist because when it passes, it's not relevant anymore. And that's human nature, which is why it falls into something like healthcare, which is so delicate when dealing with people's lives. And so having that foundation of how you process the information, what level you're at and where you're at in terms of your ABCs, your basics, your requirements, your foundations, understanding where you're at in that context is what will allow you to take those new ideas and compartmentalize those. That allows the skeptic, the healthy skeptic to come out. And that I think is one of the contributors that will bring peer review to the social media and open access healthcare education world. And I think that's already happening. Um, I think that there are, just like there are people who are interested in picking up the new idea and applying it because it's the new cool idea, just like there are those people, there are also the people who see these ideas and use that to then go find out where the idea came from, read where it came from, understand that in the context of the foundations, and then move from there. I have very much fallen into the former a number of times. And it takes a level of restraint to see that and look at your own context and say, where am I at? And what do I need to establish for myself before I jump into this idea? 
Because there have been a few handful of times where I've also experienced that consciously when restraining myself, understanding that this is an idea about a topic that's very attractive that I could apply tomorrow, but I don't understand the foundations of it prior to getting to that new innovative idea or practice or opinion. So the responsible thing and the more concrete thing, the thing that's going to build my foundation higher and higher is to go back and understand that from a basic level, from a physiologic level, from a pathophysiologic level. And we're not just talking about physiology and pathophysiology. We're talking about clinical practice. We're talking about running a team in a resuscitation. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about running a department. Understanding the core fundamentals first and understanding what your process is and what your end goal is both in the short term and the long term is what allows you to then take this information and process it in a way that is relevant to you as an individual, not based on what others are going to say when they're like, oh, you haven't heard of this idea? I mean, like, where have you been, right? It all, like, it's just so funny how in any aspect of your life, high school is over, but it's amazing how high school has some of the most relevant life lessons and pitfalls that we carry on into adulthood. And that's not to say, again, that social media and healthcare or open access medicine is like high school and it's all peer pressure and it's all trendy and it's all following the zeitgeist. It's not, which is why I make the point to say that those on the contributing end, a significant number of those who are in the category of people who are qualified to talk about what they talk about and have the hours of practice, they make it very clear in their greater context where they stand on certain things, where they stand on the foundations and how they practice. You know, a really a really good example for me that hits home is when I had first started out as a full-fledged attending, I was always very conservative in my practice. I would I would test a bit more than normal. I would be more hesitant to assume something was negative rather than to test for it. I would be more hesitant to discharge people, etc. And the trend at the time that I was coming up, and I think even now, is to be minimalist, right? To do less, to for all these different reasons, some of which are extremely legitimate, of course. And I've had experiences where people would quote the physician who promoted this minimalist idea. Funny thing is, I was there's one example that comes to my mind. I was working a shift with the person that these people are quoting. So I ran a case by this person and that person agreed entirely with my more conservative approach. Where if you just took the essence of the one post that they may have made or the one thing that they taught at a conference or at, you know on a YouTube video or, or some form of open access medicine, you would completely get the wrong understanding. It's the full context that's important. That person established their long tail. That person has their infinite shelf space. That person has their process and they're working towards something greater. You're just catching a snapshot of where they're at. And of course, at the end of it, like we've hinted, the thing that comes out of it is not only poor or disjointed practice patterns, but a level of insecurity. And then a level of, competing for something that's not the most important thing. 
And so just like being a creator or a consumer in anything, when there's a long tail and when there's infinite shelf space, it gives you the room to no longer have to be relevant for that time and place. It gives you the room to seek out the, the niche idea that resonates with you. And that takes building a process. The same way with healthcare, with your own practice, becoming fixated on your process, on understanding your basics, and then taking these ideas that are coming at you and using that process and that foundational approach to develop the ability to see it through a window pane, to be able to see it, objectively observe it, and then process it the way it deserves to be processed, I think will save you as an individual in terms of your process and and your growth. And it'll also save the idea of open access medicine and healthcare in general, because it'll give room for that contention between the new age and the old school academic age to see eye to eye, I think, which might sound a bit more dramatic than it actually is. But I've heard that idea come up a number of times. And, you know, there's definitely there's a lot of validity to going through the checks and balances that exist when it comes to diluting the pool of data out there with nonsense versus curating the data and making sure that what we're putting out there and what we're practicing is established and is beneficial for the people that we're serving. And at the same time, utilizing the tools that we have to bring innovative innovative ideas to the forefront and then from the consumer level, not just taking every forefront idea and running with it without understanding the foundational aspect of it and certainly without turning it into a popularity contest. And so with that, the insights that I would say are the most important are number one, it's really important to not let that typical trend of human behavior and that media driven aspect to seep into your daily practice and your daily growth as a person and as a clinician. It's really important to be aware of that so that it doesn't contaminate your process. And then bringing that into point number two, when you debrief, making sure to assess yourself from those basics and then working your way up, making sure that your foundation is not compromised for the sake of just keeping up with that cutting edge. And thirdly, when you feel like you can't keep up, go back to your infinite shelf space, go back to your long tail, go back to your how and your why and your understanding of the longer process of things and realize that taking a step back to reinforce is ultimately building that foundation for you to always exist on a higher level. So that when you get to that point where you need to deviate from the flight plan, so to speak, you have enough of a foundation to do that as opposed to wanting to experience that novel idea without having your proper safety net established. Anyway, I hope that makes some sense. I feel like that was a lot of weird ideas being interwoven. But anyway, if it sparks questions, if it sparks confusions, you're welcome to comment on the podcast. Send an email to podcast at rosk.life, R-O-S-C dot life, podcast at rosk.life. Send your thoughts, send your comments, send your questions, and let's have a discussion. But until then, I'll see you next time.